morning, everyone. I, too, was a little nervous uh, this morning, you know, with thinking that Jesus returned and I missed the rapture. So I came to church and I saw Pastor Joe, and I'm like, yeah, it still doesn't help me. So I, then I saw Pat and Melissa Finnegan, and I'm like, yep, still no. Uh, so then I saw some of you, so I'm really glad to see you guys, all right? And maybe the rapture did happen because I think either that or summer has hit us because we're starting to see some spots. But uh, anyhow, um, we are in a series called End of Your Rope. And in this series, as we've been talking, it's, it's during those times. I think it's during that time for some reason that, that, that change. The, 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 let, me, let me back up and say it this way. I think sometimes it's when we get to the end of a rope that that's when God can come in and, and communicate to us. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's like when some of our, 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 our hopes have been dashed, some of the things that we've placed our security, our faith, our hope into, it's when those things have been stripped away that we get down to the point to where we say, okay, what, you know, what's going on, God? And it's in those moments that God comes and is really able to talk with us and converse with us and we're able to make some changes. I don't know why we have to get to the end of our rope for that to happen, though. But a lot of times that's what takes place. Peter's writing to some Christians that are literally at the end of their rope. They're uh, fearing for their physical lives, literally for their physical lives. And so he's talking to them and he's telling them, he's encouraging them and saying, look, place your faith and hope into the living hope, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You, you know, live it out, man. Be holy because you're a chosen people. You've been set apart. And that's the same message that we have, that he has for us today. As we continue with this series, uh, I, I want to share with you some thoughts uh, found in chapter 3. So if you would turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. Three, I want to share with you, I want to read uh, verses 1 through 7, uh, first of all, and then uh, uh, draw out some thoughts based upon that passage of Scripture. <clears throat> if you didn't bring your Bible, please grab one out of the back of the pew in front of you, and let's, uh, let's uh, look at the Word of God together. He says this in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Wives, in the same way... Be submissive to your husbands. Remember last week we talked about this whole concept of yielding to authority, that whole concept of, of you know, uh, submitting to authority um, and respecting authority. Well, he's, he's continuing the same theme. And he says, wives, in the same way, be submissive uh, to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear." So we could stop there and say, women, could you get your act together? That is the same response we've had all three services. And the men, I think, would laugh a little bit more, but they're scared to death to laugh, right? (laughs) Exactly. And that's not what we're saying here. But uh, anyhow, and we continue on, and it says what? Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you, of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Today, I don't really want to get, I I don't want to teach on the whole dynamics of the relationship between wives and husbands. You were looking for that, weren't you? But what I want to go is, I want to go with the whole, that same theme of submission. Submit. You know, where he tells the wives, uh, be submissive. Submit to your husbands. 
And then he tells the husbands to be considerate. Kind of the same concept. It's that theme. It's that overarching theme. That word keeps coming up over and over again. Submit, submission. Now, how many of you would say, by raising your hands, that that word, and we talked a little bit about it last week, but that word submit and submission carries like a, evokes like a negative, um, negative thoughts or emotion within you. Anybody? Do you of you? So... For now, we've got a running tally. There's 12 of us that we struggle with this, okay? And all three services. The rest of you can just go home and we'll, the, us, tw- us four in here will deal with this. Anyhow, I think this word is, can, be, can be viewed as negative. You know, submit. I want you to submit to me. How about that? Does that evoke a negative emotion? How about if I would say this? On the power of the word that says here, you need to submit to me as your leader. How's that feel? That doesn't feel good, does it? For me, it doesn't feel good. If someone would say that to me, that does not feel good. That's not a feel-good moment. Like, oh, happy joy, right? Wives, look to your husband and say, submit to me. Go ahead, do it. And then husbands, look to your wives and say the same thing. You guys are scared to death to do it. So don't tell me it doesn't evoke an emo- a negative emotion within you. But, but I want to I dwell on this today because to me, that's the overarching theme of this passage of Scripture. It's called, another word, it's called being selfish. It's called, you know, it's called putting my needs above someone else's. It, the word submission, the, defi- the definition that I want to use is this. It's having the courage to give up my rights to meet someone else's needs. It's when I look at someone else and I have the courage to say, I am willing to give up my rights, my desires, my wishes for the sake of you. That takes courage. That's what it means to be submissive. That's what it means to submit to someone else. It's looking at that other person and saying, you know what? I value you. I respect you. I hold you up even more than myself. And I'm placing your needs above my own. That's tough stuff. We live in a world that influences us to the antithesis of that. We live in a world that influences us in a way that says, whoa, 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 time out. This is about you. You need to stand up for what you want. You need to be, you need to fight for yourself. And so we're bombarded with that message, but yet the Word of God constantly tells us to consider other people better than ourselves. Lifting up others, or not better than ourselves, but considering other people's needs above our own. And it's this ability to be unselfish in our relationships, that is one of the main ingredients that's going to help you to live the way God wants you to live. That is one of the main ingredients that when you see that evident in your life, where you can live your life in a, uns- in a state of unselfishness within your relationships, regardless of what those relationships are, when you find yourselves beginning to live that way, that, my friend, is a mark of spiritual maturity. Because that is extremely difficult, and it's only by the power of Jesus Christ, by the power of His Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us, that He gives us that courage and that power, and we're drawing upon that to make that happen. Because there's three different ways that we can live our lives. And throughout this, uh, uh, when we take a look at these three ways, the, some of you are going to find yourself in this, you know, in one, one, one of these ways. And so the first way is this, as Peter, uh, I think, talks about this. It, it, it's my way. And my way says this, I'm going to do what I want because I want to. This is about me. I'm going to do what I want. This means that I'm going, that I'm up against everybody else and I'm going to try to be the best. There's a movie that I pulled, and I want to see, maybe this will help articulate this concept of my way. Maybe it'll help articulate a bit more clear. Let's check this movie out. 
It is all about you. Now, the greatest collection of me worship ever assembled on one CD. It's all about now I lift my name on high. All 20 songs, all about you. This amazing collection is great to share with friends, if you have any. Everyone can join in the worship with you, for you, and about you. Because you are unique, and you love you. There is none like me. This for only $19.95. Operators are standing by to serve you. And I am why I sing. And I am why I live. If you order now, you'll also receive a second CD of Yule Tide Favorites. Call 1-800-Me-Me-Me. Or order online at me-myself-and-I.com. Today, because no one can praise you like you. All right, if you didn't find that repulsive, you may be living in this state right here. All right, uh, here's what people look view you as right here. This is this is how you are in your relationships. All right, this is about me. I've got my opinion, and I'm going to come after you until you agree to my opinion, because my opinion, after all, is the best way, correct? And so you may deal with this way. This is one way that, we, that you may be in this, in this life. Think about it, guys. Just think about it. The other side of this, the pendulum swings to the other side, and this is uh, what we would call the other's way. And we, you know, we, we're not, this, if you fall in this category, you're not uh, the bear attacking, but you're over here, and it's, you, know, you kind of do one of these jobs. You have this turtle shell, and you will, something happens to you, you will like tuck yourself into your turtle shell and you just kind of poke along through life and you let people walk all over you and you let, you're just like a doormat and you say this, well, I'm just a martyr or this is my cross to bear. And you see, both ways are the extreme of the spectrum, right? There's, there, there, there's this way over here that is definitely dysfunctional and this way here with the whole turtle shell is definitely dysfunctional. But the, obviously the proper way would be God's way. And God's way uh, says, God's way uh, it, it lives itself out in this concept called submission. This concept called unselfishness. And this morning that's what I want to look at. Because here's the issue at hand, guys. Regardless, selfishness has paid off and is working. If you are in here this morning and, and you're really struggling with, with, struggling with this concept of selfishness, whether it be the bear attack or some of these other ways that you deal with it, if you've had a payoff with your behavior, it be, that becomes your default behavior. If you're, if you're so strong in getting your way and, and, and you'll manipulate and you'll do whatever tactic you have to do to get your way, or if you fall in the other category, if in some way there's been a payoff with that behavior, the, the, the scary thing is that that can become more cemented into, your, into, into, the, into the, who you are. And so this morning I want us to take a look at this. I want to take a look at what it means to be unselfish. And as Peter points out, uh, he points out about three different things in this passage of Scripture. The first one is this. It's the source of conflict. James tells us in the letter right before this one, he says this. Do you know where your fights and arguments come from? They come from the selfish desires that war within you. 
Think about it. It's the source of our conflict in our homes. It's the source of conflict in our relationships. You take our arguments, our conflicts, and you boil them all down. And the root of every single one of them is that someone wants their way, right? Someone is not getting their way. Someone wants their way. Someone is being selfish. And because of that, we argue, we experience conflict. Of course, in our arguments, it's always the other person being selfish, right? But maybe today God is saying, you know what, I want you to consider something here. You're not really putting other people ahead of yourself. You don't really fall in the category of, of taking a, a critical look at what other, and listen to what other people have to say before your own needs. So here's the concept. In order to bring a new sense of peace in your home, your relationships uh, that you struggle with at times, this, the key is un, being unselfish. It can help you find some common ground in the battleground and, 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 your home, and that your home, uh, or that your home may have become. Another reason, or another powerful reason that uh, Peter uh, talks about in being unselfish is this. It's the secret to change. Peter writes to the wives and he uh, encourages them. He says this, be unselfish so that if your husbands don't believe the word, they may be won over. They may be changed without words or by the behavior of their wives. Now, who he's writing to is this. He's writing to someone, he's writing to a woman that was an unbeliever that had gotten married to another unbeliever. And at some point, the woman uh, came in contact with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and she placed her faith and trust in the Christ. And now what you have is a believer married to an unbeliever. And those of you that may be experiencing that dynamic in your relationship understand how much conflict that can cause. And so Peter's writing to to this person, and he's saying this, Listen, be very careful how you conduct your life. Because as you conduct your life, as you become a person that is not selfish, a person that places the needs above, uh, you know, your husband's needs above yourself, it is preaching a message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And by your actions, your husband could be won over and they could become a believer too. Here's the issue. Change is important in any relationship. It's natural. Whether it's a bad one or a healthy one, Change is a very important uh, concept in any relationship. How can that happen? Have you ever been in situations in your relationships where you wanted something to take place, you wanted change to either happen within your life or your partner's life? How does that happen? You know, you may afford to try to push your way through, try to argue, try to make somebody else change, but it doesn't work. But this whole concept of being unselfish is an extremely powerful tool that disposes other people to, uh, to encouragement uh, for them to grow and to change. Jesus was one of the most unselfish people, that ever, or the most unselfish person that ever walked on the face of this earth. And he gave his life unselfishly for others. And here's the concept, or here's the other thing, guys. How many of you have a person in your life that has influenced you in a very incredible way where you've, where, where you've allowed them to come and, 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 and share some things with you, and by them sharing with you, you considered what they said, and some significant, healthy change has taken place within your life? And nine times out of ten, if not ten times out of ten, it came from a person that was extremely unselfish. They put your, your needs above theirs. They communicated you in such a way that they understood where you were at and where you, what season of life you were in. And so it's an extremely powerful tool that enables us to, or for change to take place within our lives. Another thing to consider when it comes to living in this sense of, of, uh, of, of being selfish is this. Selfishness can short-circuit your prayer. 
Peter writes in, this, in that verse 7, he says, do this so that nothing will stop your prayers, as one translation says. Here's the key, guys. Selfishness really boils down to this. It boils down to say, I can do anything. Selfishness really boils down to say, you know what, the way I think, the way my opinion is, everything about me, I've got the answers, and I don't even really need God. Because that really short circuit, that, that's exactly how it short circuits prayers. And with that, that the way we act, uh, that I act towards others, that really has an impact upon my relationship with God. We can do, they can do, or you can do it your way, using your selfish energy, or you can do it God's way, depending completely and solely upon Him. And that is, at the very core, the issue of prayer. Where we come to God in prayer and we say this, God, I don't have all the answers. God, I can't fix my marriage. God, I can't fix this relationship. God, I can't fix this particular situation within my job. God, I can't do this. And if you don't show up, something really bad is going to take place. But if we go in with a selfish attitude, and see, that's where I think we have to get stripped clear down to the end of our rope to where we finally come to God and say, God, I don't have it. I don't have it. And that's when powerful prayer really begins to take place. If you're living in a sense of selfishness, it kills your prayer life. Absolutely kills it. So, with that being said, let's consider some other things when it comes uh, to, to, be, to not being selfish. Uh, ways that we do that is, is learning to understand others' needs, considering other people's needs. In verse 7, uh, it says this, In the same way you husbands should live with your wives in an understanding way. He, he's challenging the husbands and say, Husbands, in the same way as you live with your lives, you need to live with your wife in a way that is a very understanding. The NIV, I believe, says considerate. But that whole concept of considerate and being understanding means this. It means to live together according to knowledge. Now, let me ask you this, guys. How do you really get to know somebody? How, do you real, how can you live to, together with somebody according to knowledge? Doesn't, that, doesn't there come a time to where you have to be quiet and you have to listen to that other person? And it doesn't just mean the physical sense of audibly hearing their words come into your ears. There's something different, right? Have you ever had your spouse look at you and say, you're not listening to me? And you say, I, hear, I am hearing you talk consistently. I'm listening. But what they're saying is this. You're not hearing the message. You're not hearing what I'm saying. You don't know. You don't understand what I'm communicating to you. There's something powerful that happens, guys, when we, take, when we become unselfish and we look to the person within our life, whatever relationship it may be, and we ask this question ourselves, what do they need? What is it that they need? What is it that they're really communicating to me? Philippians 4.5, Paul writes this. He says, let everyone see that you're unselfish and considerate in all that you do. You see, those are the attitudes. These are the attitudes that are supposed to be a part of every relationship of our lives as a believer. And how do we really take, how do we start to care more about the needs of other people? It's that, again, back to that skill called listening. When we listen and really, truly take to heart what the other person is saying, what the other person is saying. 
We're going to do communion a little bit different today. And what I mean by that is this. We're talking about this whole concept of being selfish and being unselfish. I cannot think of a, of a clear way that unselfishness this, in a selfless way of living has ever been demonstrated to us than by Jesus Christ in heaven saying, as, Flip, as Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, Jesus laying aside some of his attributes, some of his characteristics, leaving his home to become one of us. Not because we deserved it, but because out of this incredible love that he has for us. And he becomes one of us, and he takes on our garbage, and he takes on all that garbage, and he takes it to the cross for us. The stuff that you and I were accused of. Not a single person in here can live. We, this is the heart, the core of the salvation message. And it is so simple that it says this. There's not a single person in here that has lived or could live their life in such a way that they could earn the grace and love and mercy of Jesus Christ and spend eternity with Him in His kingdom. There's not a single person in there that could ever, ever live that type of life. We have all of this garbage in our lives. We're human. We struggle. Some of us will never admit to it. Some of us will never come to that realization to say, I've got garbage in my life. And some of us will never come to the point where we say, you know what? I don't think I could ever get rid of the garbage. And it's only by the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ that I can have this, this, this love relationship with Him. And here you have an individual that doesn't deserve any, didn't deserve anything that he endured. But instead he comes and he says, I'll take your garbage. You talk about a selfless way of living. You talk about a selfless act of love. To do that for you. To say, I love you that much. I will take your garbage. And I will die on the cross for that. Man, if that doesn't communicate living a selfless life, living a life that is rid of, of this selfishness. And so this morning, guys, this is what I'm asking. Just a couple different situations I want to give you, a couple different examples. If you're in here this morning, and you're married, and just because we're talking about this particular passage of Scripture, and your spouse is sitting next to you, what I would like for you to do, uh, this, is, this is one way you could do communion. You could come up, take the juice, take some bread, go someplace, you can go back to your seat, go someplace within here, maybe sit on the front row, maybe spend time sitting up here up front, go to the foot of the cross, doesn't matter. And look to one another and say, you know what? I'm asking for your forgiveness for being so selfish in, my relation, in our relationship at times, for putting my needs ahead of yours. Because that's what this passage of Scripture is talking about. It's talking about when we place, our, place ourselves above other people. And guys, as a husband, I can't tell you how many times, I'm going to confess, that I do that. Where it's about me. And I don't consider my wife's feelings or her thoughts by the way I talk to her and by the way I act towards her at times. 
That's humbling. And I believe that this could be an incredible, intimate time for us that are in those, those types of relationships where we could come with our spouses and say, and serve one another. Serve one another. Asking for forgiveness for that type of attitude from our spouses and from God. What an incredible worship time that we could have. If you're sitting here this morning and your spouse isn't here, come spend time with God. Confessing how you may be that way with your husband. If you're not married, maybe you're that way with other relationships within your life. That's the issue, guys. There's not a single person in here that could say, I don't deal with being selfish. You're, de- you're, being, de- you're being deceived if you believe that. And maybe this would be a time where you could spend an intimate moment, worshipful moment with God to say, God, man, I struggle with this and I'm asking for forgiveness. And, you're, and, you, and you experience that intimate communion with God by, by remembering His selfless act of love that, he, that He's spoken to you. So it doesn't matter if you're married or not. I'm just say, simply saying that in the context of where we're at, this will be an incredible moment between God, those of you that are married. It will be an incredible worship moment between you and God and your, and your spouse. And so we're going to play some music, and I just want to open this up. Please come. Please participate. Sit anywhere. But most important, don't do this out of habit. Do this out of a worshipful moment. You don't have to be a member of our church, but, but, but you have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ because that's what this is about. And so let's just open this moment up. And guys, here's the issue. We're creating, we're creating a moment, a time here, a time and space that could be extremely powerful for you in your spiritual walk. The question is, will you allow that to take place? Will you encounter God? Because God's here. Will you allow Him to just grab a hold of your heart and captivate you and spend some moments uh, taking some communion and remembering this incredible act of selfless love? Lord God, as we think about this whole issue of selfishness and I pray, God, that as we participated in communion, that it was done in a way where we truly reflected upon your selfless act of love. That demonstration that you gave us so that we may take on that same spirit. God, I pray for forgiveness where a lot of times we live our lives in such a way where it's almost as if we puff out our chests and say, look what we can do. I pray, God, that we would be people here at Element Church that would be humble, have humble hearts and contrite hearts before you. where we look to others and see their needs and really listen to them. Where we become people in relationships that demonstrate this incredible sense of selfless living so that they may see you shining through us. 
God, I pray that as we leave here, you would give us courage to live this out. I pray that you would give us the courage to grab a hold of the power that you have placed inside of us through your Holy Spirit to to live a life that is unselfish. To place our wives and our husbands before us. To place our children before us. To place our the people that we work with before us. To place people that we come in contact with before us. God, may we embrace this life of humility. So God, I pray that you would give us that courage. And I pray, God, that as we leave here today, that this would come up this week time and time and time again. God, that you would draw our attention to what we've heard so that we may be salt and light to this world and live our lives in contrast of how the world lives and influences us. As we continue on the next few moments, I pray that you would continue to speak to us and help us to embody the things that the, that, that the author is communicating to us today. And I pray and ask these things in the powerful name of your Son, Jesus Christ, His name. Amen. So we live in this state of, of learning how to consider other people's needs where we place other people before us. Another way that we begin to live is this, in respect, where we honor other people's value, where we have the ability to honor other people's value. Guys, there's not a person sitting in here that would say, you know what, I don't care if I feel valued or not. Every single one of us in this room wants to feel like that we make a contribution. Every single one of us has this, this sense of value that, that, we want to, that we want to experience. He writes in verse 7 again, Peter, uh, to the husbands, and he says this, Show them, referring to their wives, show your wives respect. Because God gives them the same blessing that He gives to you. Paul mirrors or parallels this same particular truth in Ephesians chapter 5 where he says this, Show your husbands respect. We want respect. It feels good when, when someone looks at us and, and, and they respect us. Philippians 2.3, Paul says this, When you do these things, don't let selfishness or pride be your guide. Instead, be humble and give more honor to others. Another thing is sacrifice. Where we have this willingness or the decision to act upon other people's behalf. First John writes this, or John says this in his letter, in chapter 3, verse 18. He says, and this to me is what the Word of God says clear throughout. Stop just saying we love people. Stop just saying we love people. Let us really love them and show it by our actions. Guys, that's the struggle, isn't it? That's the struggle of, of living, this, living this whole Christian life out. It's easy to say, well, this is what I believe. Well, this is, these are the things that I believe in. But it's a totally different story when someone looks at us and says, stop saying that and do it. 
And that's what a lot of authors tell us in the, in the Word of God. James says the same thing. He says, faith without works is what? Dead. Faith without works is dead. You can say that you believe this. You can say that this means so much to you. But unless it's evident in your life, what matters if you say it? There's a huge difference between unselfish words and unselfish actions. It's easy to talk, but to really act upon them requires sacrifice. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13.5, Love does not demand its own way. It makes sacrifices. And by the way, guys, we don't live it just ready to make that one big sacrifice, but we live our lives in a sense where we're making sacrifices on a daily basis on the behalf of other people, where we're deciding to do that. We're living our lives out the way Christ wants us to live our lives out. And then the last thing I want to share with you is this, before we leave, is this. Get rid of the fear. Probably the biggest reason why we don't act upon some of this stuff or we feel so stinking insecure is because we have this fear deep down inside of us. We have this fear that says this. If we become meek individuals, that means we're weak. If we submit to other people, that means that we are weak individuals and they're going to run over top of us. That's not what the Word of God teaches. Let me tell you something. There's nothing that's going to take more courage, more strength, than to be a person that lives in a state of meekness. Because meekness isn't just going into a turtle shell. But it's sacrificing. It's respecting other people. It's honoring them. It's valuing them. It's listening to them. It's, it's the willing to act upon their behalf. But there's this concept that if, if we do that, they're going to run over top of me. You know what? Lose the fear. John says this in 1 John. He says, we need have no fear of someone who loves us perfectly. His perfect love for us eliminates all dread. As one translation words it, for us it eliminates all dread of what he might do to us. In order to come, o- overcome fear of selfishness and unselfishness in our relationships, all you have to do is find somebody that's going to love you perfectly. And that's what Jesus Christ does to us. Loves us absolutely perfectly. Guys, I hope that you allow the Spirit of God to just really challenge you on this concept of being selfish. Again, the things that we've been talking about, First Peter, he's not laying out really huge pieces of meat to us. He's laying out basic concepts to us that that, that can be extremely hard as we live it out. But they're basic concepts. And as we said last week, Jesus called us to be the salt and the light into this world. How do you be the salt and light? For starters, you're not selfish. People are used to seeing selfish people. But they're certainly not used to seeing snippets of God's kingdom here on earth that says, I'm going to place you above me. I'm going to consider your needs above my needs. So I pray that you would allow the Spirit to just connect with yours. Um, as, as I've shared with you before, and I think everybody that's, that's actually that, that's preached, they'll say the same thing. Whenever we start to talk about something, it's as if we have to live that out that previous week. And I can't tell you how many times this week where the Spirit knocked on my door saying, you're selfish. You're selfish. You're being selfish to your wife. You're being selfish to your kids. You're selfish. And that's humbling. And so I pray that misery on you guys this week. <laughs> but when the Spirit comes and knocks, what are you going to do? Are you going to listen? Are you going to listen? Be the salt, be the light in this world. Pastor Joe? Pray. Father God, we do thank you for the greatest act 
of unselfishness in giving us your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we didn't deserve it. In fact, your word says that we're enemies of yours. But because of the work of Jesus, Lord, we can be in relationship with you. And so, God, we give you thanks. We pray as well that as we, as we follow your word, that we do strive to be imitators of you and imitators of Jesus in the way in which we live our lives, in the way in which we give of ourselves every moment. And so I thank you this morning for this challenge. We pray, God, and know that we cannot do this on our own. So we come before you asking that you would fill us with your power, fill us with your presence, fill us with the courage as those opportunities arise to be selfless, to put the needs of others before our own as we learn this morning. And we give you thanks and praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen.